an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job or a new full-time role, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com. That's ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Heat is the main cause of battery failure, so it's important to have a tough battery. Duralast batteries are designed and tested to start in extreme temperatures up to 167 degrees. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Yesterday, as we went off the air, there were details coming out about this Ezekiel Elliott fight that's going on between Ezekiel Elliott and this woman who alleged that he beat her up. And in particular, Yahoo Sports, through Charles Robinson, had found... Uh, excerpts of the 160-page investigative report that dove into exactly what happened between these two people. And in particular there, there were allegations that this woman had been interested in blackmailing Ezekiel Elliott through release of a sex tape and that she was going to require him to give her money. Otherwise, she was going to try to make things look bad for him. There also have been allegations in a local Dallas newspaper that she threatened him, that there are witnesses saying she promised that she was going to get him in trouble, that basically this situation has gone ugly. And that as a result, there are many questioning whether or not she is telling the truth about the domestic violence. 
Here are quotes from that Yahoo Sports story. The NFL's forensic experts also recovered evidence from Ms. Thompson's phone that she had registered an email address titled Ezekiel Elliott Sex Vids during the month of August 2016. Uh, in addition, a text message with her friend uh, is recovered that showed them talking about their need to make more money and Miss Thompson raised the idea of selling the sex tapes she had of herself and Mr. Elliot. Her friend said they should blackmail Mr. Elliot with them and they'd become millionaires. The woman replied that she'd like to but was scared. When she was asked about this by the league's investigators, she stated she did have sex tapes of her and Mr. Elliot on her phone, and she did open the email account, but she denied doing so to blackmail Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, all of these details coming out are starting to raise intriguing questions about the scope of the NFL's investigation, about the reliability of this woman, about whether or not Ezekiel Elliott should have been suspended for six games. Now, he has appealed, but there remains some uncertainty about what that appeal is going to look like. And as they have been going on, they have gotten into now a broader fight that I want to read to you has spilled over into the NFLPA as well as the... NFL Owners Association, basically here. The NFL Executive Vice President of Communications sent out this email uh, to everyone, this statement, in the wake of that Yahoo story. Over the past few days, we've received multiple reports of the NFLPA spreading derogatory information to the media about the victim in Ezekiel Elliott's discipline case. It's a common tactic to attempt to prove the innocence of the accused by discrediting the victim, in this case, Ms. Thompson, when coming forward to report such abuse. Common or not, these tactics are shameful. Efforts to shame and blame victims are often what prevent people from coming forward to report violence and or seek help in the first place. That's the NFL statement sent out yesterday afternoon. Then this response came from the NFL Players Association, and you just think, wow. Here's what the NFLPA said. The public statement issued on behalf of every NFL owner is a lie. The NFLPA categorically denies the accusations made in this statement. We know the league office has a history of being exposed for its lack of credibility this is another example of the NFL's hypocrisy on display and an attempt to create a sideshow to distract from their own failings in dealing with such serious issues. They should be ashamed for stooping to new lows. This story to me is absolutely incredible. Here are some other details that are out there. Um, the woman allegedly lied, lied to the Columbus Police Department during its investigation and in, attempted to induce a witness to fabricate an account of domestic violence. She allegedly made threats to Ezekiel Elliott about ruining his career, and she allegedly called him in a harassing manner uh, over that P 
period of time. All of these things help to explain why there were no charges filed by the Columbus, Ohio Police Department. But I want to put on my proverbial lawyer hat here with you and talk about this case in a way that I think is probably going to be more intelligent than anybody else is talking about this case anywhere else in sports media. So I want you to follow me along in this story, if you would. First of all, we have entered an era where individual cases are now often grouped into larger societal trends and people don't worry about the individual case facts. They worry about the larger societal trend. Let me explain what I mean by that. There is no doubt that domestic violence and violence against women from men is a common occurrence in our society. It happens all too frequently. That is, women get beaten up by men. They get sexually assaulted by men. That Those things definitely happen. And there is also no doubt that many women may not go public or cooperate with authorities because of a variety of reasons, including the fact that they don't believe they will be believed by the police or other people out there in the general public. Those things are incontrovertibly true. My problem becomes when you use a larger societal issue to determine what happened in an individual case, you are breaking the most cardinal rule of investigative procedure anywhere, which is the larger universe doesn't matter. All that matters are the particular facts of your case. This is what they teach you in law school. You may think that murder is an awful problem and that everybody who commits murder deserves the death penalty. Because that's true does not mean that your individual client who has been accused of murder, did it, and deserves the death penalty. Do you understand that distinction? Because it's a big one, and I feel like people are making decisions about what they believe on individual specific cases, not based on the facts of those cases, but based on their larger opinions of an issue. So we line up now all too often in this social media age based not on the specific instances of a case, but based on our larger opinion of a major societal issue. And when the NFL here says, oh, Ezekiel Elliott is victim-shaming and victim-blaming, I got to take a step back and say, those phrases make no sense in this particular case. I have worked in the criminal justice system representing people charged with heinous crimes, I have done sexual harassment investigations and sat across the table and listened to a man and a woman both tell me exactly opposite sides of a story. Ezekiel Elliott's attorneys and representatives here are obligated under their legal ethics duties to defend him to the fullest extent of the law under our adversarial system. The only way to defend Ezekiel Elliott when he says he's telling the truth is to attack the woman who is accusing him of beating her up. That doesn't mean that you're saying domestic violence isn't a significant issue. That doesn't mean that you're saying sexual assault is not a significant issue. 
when you attack the credibility of an individual woman, you're focused on your individual case. We've got to stop this idea that that is victim shaming or victim blaming. That's the very essence of our adversarial system. And I talked about this a little bit at the end of the show yesterday, but if you want to think about this in a way that might make sense, I bet just about everybody out there has read or read the cliff notes, and you should have read the book, you knucklehead, for To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. If you haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird, it's a magisterial story set in back in the Jim Crow South in Alabama. And the story is Atticus Finch, a Southern attorney, is given the defense assignment of Tom Robinson, who's a black man accused of raping a white woman in that era of the South. And he puts, Atticus Finch does, Mayella Yule in this story. You can also watch the movie if you're a lazy guy, don't want to read the book, but I would encourage you to read the book if you skipped it when you were a kid. He puts Mayella Yule, the white woman who's accused the black man of beating her, on the witness stand, and he aggressively cross-examines her, and as a result, proves that she was not telling the truth. Okay? So that is, at its most basic essence, that is victim-shaming. That is victim-blaming. Atticus Finch is proving, by aggressively questioning that woman, that what she said is not true. It's a lie. So I want you to follow me back around here. I'm not making a judgment here on whether or not this woman is telling the truth. I'm merely saying this is the very essence of what the job of a lawyer is, is to question the woman in this situation. And what I'm asking all of you to do is recognize that just because domestic violence is an issue, And just because sexual assault is an issue does not mean that Ezekiel Elliott is guilty in this particular instance. Just because some women are afraid of going public because they won't be believed does not mean that some women don't lie about rape and sexual assault allegations and domestic violence allegations. It also doesn't mean that just because this woman contemplated blackmailing Ezekiel Elliott, that she also couldn't have been beaten. We have got this strange, what I'm calling Disneyfication of life going on in our country right now, where everybody has to be either good or evil, right? There's no middle ground. Ezekiel Elliott has to be evil, and this woman has to be good, or Ezekiel Elliott has to be good, and this woman has to be evil. Look into your own lives. It's early in the morning. Some of you have probably already been good and evil before you even finished your damn breakfast. American life and world life, human life, is not Disney-fied. We are none of us either good or evil. We all live in between those parameters. And so this woman could have been beaten and she could have tried to blackmail Ezekiel Elliott. Or Ezekiel Elliott could be innocent in this case and the woman could be guilty. We don't know exactly. But what I want to encourage all of you to do is I want to encourage all of you to look at the individual facts of a case 
and not use individual cases to justify your pre-existing worldview. Think about the Duke lacrosse case. All of those kids at Duke were considered guilty because they were white lacrosse players accused of raping a black stripper. They did absolutely nothing wrong. The woman was a liar. Yet immediately everybody pre-judged them because of their existing worldviews. They didn't look at the individual facts of a case. The first thing you learn in law school in cases such as these is don't think about what you believe about the larger universe or the larger world. Represent your client. Focus on the individual facts in your case. You're not litigating whether or not domestic abuse is bad or whether or not sexual assault is bad. You're litigating whether or not your client did it, and you have a zealous obligation to defend him to the fullest extent of your abilities, which is exactly what Ezekiel Elliott's attorneys are doing. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what our criminal justice system was designed to do. It's not victim shaming or victim blaming. It's zealous advocacy from an adversarial perspective designed to figure out what the truth is. This is the very basis of our justice system. I'm going to tell you on the flip side why the NFL is so stupid to be involved in this case to begin with, but I'm fired up over what I see as blatant stupidity over the things that we argue about now when it comes to individual cases. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Talking about this Ezekiel Elliott case and why the way it's spilling out is fundamentally flawed, now I'm going to take my next aim here at the NFL. The NFL, in this 160-page investigation, uncovered a great amount of conflicting information. The woman may well have contemplated blackmail. She may have harassed Ezekiel Elliott herself. She may have said that she was going to get him in trouble. She may have tried to get friends to lie. All of these details are why there were no charges brought in this case. Because a DA did his work or her work, looked at all of this evidence, and then had to make a decision. Can I get a conviction in this case? And a DA reviewed all this evidence, and they said, there's way too much contradictory information here. No way I can get a conviction. Therefore, I'm not going to bring charges on Ezekiel Elliott. The NFL reviewed the same evidence and said, we're suspending Ezekiel Elliott for six games. The details and amazing amount of conflicting data here are incredibly common for anybody who's ever worked in a domestic violence investigation or a sexual assault investigation. The idea that these things are clear-cut and that you get a law and order-like moment where somebody's like, you're damn right I beat her. You're damn right I did it on the witness stand doesn't actually happen in investigations, by and large. By and large, investigations, especially when they involve things that often happen outside of the public eye between men and women, are very difficult to figure out and very difficult to prove. And so the Columbus... District Attorney's Office made the right decision not to prosecute here. I think having read this, uh, this, these details, there's no way Ezekiel Elliott would have been convicted of a crime. The NFL reviews the same amount of data, conducts their own 160-page investigation, 
and then decides to suspend Ezekiel Elliott for six games. And my question for you is the same one I asked and have been asking for 10 years. Why is the NFL in this business? Why is the NFL in the business of conducting criminal investigations, essentially, into off-field conduct by players? If Ezekiel Elliott had been charged with a crime and the NFL wanted to make it their policy, if you're charged with a violent offense or a felony, we're going to suspend you. More power to them. I think it's still a bad decision because I don't think that leagues should be in the business of punishing players for non-field-related conduct, non-sports-related conduct. I think that's why we have a criminal justice system. And I don't think that when people hear Adrian Peterson's been charged with child abuse or Ray Rice has knocked out his fiance on video, I don't think their first thought should be, what's the NFL going to do? I think that's putting the cart before the proverbial horse. The horse should be the criminal justice system. When crimes are committed in America, people should think, what's the criminal justice system going to do not what is the NFL going to do. If a Walmart employee punches his wife or girlfriend, your first thought shouldn't be, what's Walmart going to do about this? It should be, what's the government going to do about this? What's the criminal justice system going to do? The NFL and Roger Goodell made a fundamentally bad decision when they decided to get involved in these crimes. Moreover, when they decided to conduct their own investigations, they ended up doing what all these universities are doing, which are getting sued like crazy. They injected themselves into an insanely difficult case that they can't win. Because why? Because the NFL doesn't want to look like it's loose on domestic violence? Is the NFL, like, I've asked this question for a while and nobody has a good answer. If a player gets charged with tax evasion, is the NFL going to suspend them, not allow them to play in the NFL? It could be a felony, right? If somebody doesn't file their taxes, is the NFL going to not allow them to play? Most everybody out there, I think, right now would say, that's crazy. You're not going to let a player play football because they have a tax evasion issue? Under this existing precedent, the NFL may have to conduct their own review of the tax records. It's just insane. It is just insane beyond belief that we have entered into this universe where the NFL is making these decisions. And everybody out there is like, oh, domestic violence is bad. Sexual assault is bad. Yeah, no, nobody disagrees with that. Murder's bad too. (laughs) All right? Nobody out there is like, oh, this is not a problem. Sure, it's a problem. It's a societal problem. Police and soldiers have infinitely higher rates of domestic violence and sexual assault than football players do. Men of young ages, 16 to 35, which is where everybody is pretty much playing sports at a high level, commit the vast majority of crimes. The NFL players actually get in trouble a lot less than their contemporaries of the same age would. But the idea that the NFL is in this business, it drives me insane. And I can't believe I'm one of the only people in all of sports media pointing this out. I don't know if it's because other people are afraid. They're afraid that that somebody's going to say, oh, Clay Travis doesn't care about rape. Oh, Clay Travis doesn't care about domestic assault. No. 
But a lawyer's job is not to assume that somebody is telling the truth because she's a woman. That's the exact opposite reason of what used to happen. Oh, we're going to listen to this guy about this case because he's male. Oh, we're going to listen to this person because they're white and the other person's black. The purpose of the criminal justice system and the justice system in general is to be blind towards the individuals who are involved. Whether you're male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Muslim, Christian, whoever you are, you should be treated the same under the law. Right now, the NFL is presuming this guy is guilty because he's male, and many people out in the world of sports media won't even touch this story because they're afraid that they're going to get accused of victim-blaming or victim-shaming. It's insane. Same thing happened, guys, when Peyton Manning got accused of mooning. And I went and started talking about this, and people were like, oh, Peyton Manning committed a sexual assault when he pulled down his pants and mooned somebody 20 years ago. And I said, wait a minute. This woman is crazy that Peyton Manning was involved with. She was making up stuff. She lied like crazy. She was like legitimately insane, according to many of the pieces of evidence in that case. That's not attacking the victim. That's saying, wait a minute. We got to question whether or not this woman's being honest. If you're threatening to blackmail a guy, and if you're trying to get one of your friends to lie about an issue of domestic violence, that goes to the very heart of whether you can be believed about what happened. Now, both these things could be true. She could have considered blackmailing, blackmailing Ezekiel Elliott over a sex tape, and he could have beaten her up. Again, Get out of the disnified world of life. People do good things and bad things every day. She could have been a victim in one part and then the perpetrator in another. Ezekiel Elliott might have given money to charity one day and gone to church and put a lot of money into the offering plate and then he might have gone home from church and beaten up a girlfriend. People do that all the time. That's real life. But in this particular case... I cannot believe that the NFL suspended Ezekiel Elliott for six games based on this evidence. It's a miscarriage of justice based on what we've seen so far. And the NFL put it itself in this position when it decided it needed to be investigating player behavior for entirely off-the-field related incidents. 877-996-6369. Load up the phone lines. Going to bring in the crew next, see if they agree with me or think I'm crazy. Of course, they should agree with me because I'm pretty much a genius on this subject. 877-996-6369. Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 877-996-6369. Let's go around the horn here. Jason Martin, um, you agree with me? There's there's no way Ezekiel Elliott should have been suspended based on this evidence? Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. I think it's ridiculous. I think that, and I don't know whether or not the appeal is going to work because I don't know, you know, you've said this before as well. You're appealing to the entity that did it to you in the first place. You're it's not, insane. You're not appealing to, to a third party that doesn't have some kind of skin in the game. The NFL would have to basically 
overturn its own decision and in the process admit that it made a gigantic mistake, which it did. There's absolutely no reason why this went down. Look, and Charles Robinson says in this story, at the end of it, none of what you know he's written and none of the evidence that Yahoo's obtained proves anything in terms of domestic violence, but it does go to credibility. And when you look at the 160-page report, there's just way too much evidence on both sides, and there's no proof that anything happened. So for them to just, because the optics are bad, because domestic violence is one of those buzzwords, and it should be, but it's one of those buzzwords that really does raise people's ire, you still have to have proof in this country. And it seems no, like innocent, innocent until proven guilty has gone completely anymore. out the window in this society. You don't have to have proof anymore. If somebody is accused of doing something that's bad, so many people believe it immediately that you have to punish them for it. It's really pretty scary. I think Roger Goodell and the NFL, basically after the Ray Rice incident, said if a woman accuses a man of beating her up or raping her, then and there's not like some ability to prove 100% innocence, then we're going to suspend the player. I think that's where we are right now because Roger Goodell basically said, hey, the only way I'm going to lose my job is if all these interest groups come after me for not being aggressive enough against domestic violence. And so he's going to give the maximum penalty to everybody, even if they didn't do it. And that's a scary place to be in society right now. Truth and justice doesn't matter. It's optics. It's whether or not something looks bad is all that matters, even if it didn't actually happen. It's a broken system, and it should bother everybody out there who believes that justice still matters in individual cases. Again, I don't understand why people can't comprehend this distinction. You can believe that domestic violence is bad and that sexual assault is bad and that both happen way too often in this country and then also simultaneously believe that an individual who's been charged with those crimes didn't do it, right? I mean, a lot of people can't follow that thread, right? You can have a larger societal issue. But on an individual level, which is what everything is supposed to matter on, on the, in the justice system, we don't decide whether or not domestic violence is a problem or rape is a problem in, in individual cases. We decide whether an individual defendant, defendant is guilty or not. And most people aren't able to take that broader perspective of having two different thoughts in their head. Yes, this is bad, but my client deserves a thorough defense this is not victim shitting or victim blaming. Maybe I think about it differently because I've represented co- clients in these cases. Guys, I've represented people who have been accused of abhorrent things. Everybody who has ever been involved in the criminal justice system has too. That doesn't mean that I think that what they did or have been accused of isn't bad. It means that my job in the justice system is to present as aggressive of a defense as possible of my client Even if I believe that what they did was abhorrent and wrong, I need the state to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, that my client is guilty. Here, they haven't even come close to that. Let's go out to L.A., Danny G. and Justin. You guys with me that this is crazy, all these details coming out, the NFL blew it? Definitely agree with you that this is a huge mess. And in the L.A. studios here a little earlier, we were chatting with Jonas about the telling sign of just how messy this is. Jerry Jones, who loves to talk, and you know one of my jobs here, I'm in charge of all the sound bites and the drops, so I have a whole screen, a whole screen of Jerry Jones drops. Nothing. He's not said a word. It's crickets and tumbleweeds from him. 
Yeah, and that's smart because I'm sure his attorneys are saying, hey, all you're going to do is create a bigger mess. Right, because it's so complex that no matter what he says, he boxes himself into a corner. Yeah, and this is where I think guys get so afraid. I mean, I, I think honestly that's probably why some of you listening right now are hearing me talk about this and you're saying, man, Clay Travis making a pretty convincing case that the NFL has, has messed this up, that they bungled it. You said, why aren't more people saying this? I think it's because people who are in the public eye are afraid of exactly what happened to Ezekiel Elliott also being transferred to them, right? That they are going to get criticized and people are going to say, oh, look at Clay Travis out there. He doesn't think domestic violence is a problem. He doesn't think that sexual assault is a problem. He's defending Ezekiel Elliott. People are afraid. And the same thing happens with Title IX, by the way. Title IX is fundamentally broken on college campuses. Lots of people who work in the legal field believe it, but they're so afraid of having themselves attacked that they don't say what they actually believe. And for better or worse, I come in here and I go full speed ahead with stories, right? If I think that somebody's an idiot, I tell you exactly what I think, whether they're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, male, female, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, whatever they are, right? I'm not pulling punches. I'm telling you exactly what I think. And go read my mentions sometimes. Anytime you say something about somebody, people use the larger global perspective. Like if I was coming out against Ezekiel Elliott, people would be like, oh, yeah, go figure. Clay hates black people. If I'm coming out for Ezekiel Elliott now, my critics will be like, oh, yeah, go figure. Clay Travis is a misogynist. Of course he's going to stand up for the guy. The reality is if you look at my responses on cases, I do what good lawyers do. I look at the individual circumstances of a case and make a determination based on those individual facts as opposed to what I think about the larger universe, right? I mean, that's my that's what good lawyers do. We don't get bogged down in what we think of large issues. We look at the individual facts of a case and figure out whether or not somebody is guilty or innocent based on those facts. We're going to load up the phone lines. I'll take your calls in the next segment, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. The NFL blew it. Ezekiel Elliott should not have been suspended. This is a bad look for the NFL, and he's doing nothing wrong by having his side of the story publicly put out there. Because think about this for a minute. The NFL basically has branded Ezekiel Elliott a domestic abuser. That's what this suspension does in the mind of many people. If he didn't do it, and the Columbus DA didn't have enough evidence to believe that he did it to charge him, if he didn't do it, then his reputation has been forever scarred by his employer for no good reason. I think it's shameful. I think the NFL blew it. Your call's next, 877-996-6369. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Teeing off on the NFL, why the Ezekiel Elliott suspension is wrong. If you missed the beginning of the show, you need to go back and listen. It's good evidence you can share with people of why this show is going to be the smartest probably anywhere, certainly in the morning for sports talk radio anywhere in the country, but also why it's the most honest. Other people are worried about what they say. I'm worried about making sure that I'm as honest as I possibly can be every single day and that I'm sharing actual facts with you. Let's go to Jake in Richmond. Jake, what's up? Is Jake there? Jake may not be there. What do you think, Jason give me Martin? One, give, me one, give me one second. We got loaded lines. A lot of you calling in. Um, we're going to go to your calls now and take your reactions. Okay. 
Let's go to, are we ready? Who do you think we should go to, Jason Martin? Dang. Hello. There's Hello? Yes. Hey, Clay. How you doing? I'm excellent. All right. Uh, yeah, um, my input on this is it, it seems like I've never seen jobs other than government jobs, such as, you know, police officers, school teachers that get suspended for their actions. And the NFL being a private entity, it seems like it's kind of ridiculous. And it's just like these guys are are superheroes compared to the people that should be, like the government officials looking up to the police officers, the teachers. And, you know, that's a different issue. But I think, you know, it starts there. It's almost – yeah, I think it's almost unheard of for a private company – to conduct an investigation into entirely private lives of its employees and then deciding that they behaved inappropriately and suspending them. Again, I want you to think about this for a minute. I'm not saying, and I'm trying to use like a regular employer, right? Walmart's, I think, the biggest employer in the country right now. If you are a Walmart employee and you punch somebody inside a Walmart store, there's zero doubt that Walmart should conduct their own investigation into that allegation, right? Zero doubt. But if you are a Walmart employee and outside of the hours when you are working, you are back in you know your normal life, there's no way that in any way possible they would be conducting an investigation into you, right? Like outside of your scope of your employment, it's unheard of. The NFL has so overreached in this decision to begin with. Let's go to Justin in Virginia. Really like your take on on the whole situation, but I was going to because the NFL is so worried about public perception. So what if they had just because this is not the first time Ezekiel's been in the headlines for for stuff. I know he had this speeding incident, stuff like that. Say if they had just said we're going to give you a two game suspension just to kind of wake you up. Well, Well, I I think, look, that's not an awful decision. I think it should be based on the team. Instead of the league making decisions like that, if Jerry Jones had said, look, Ezekiel, I think you have been behaving in a way where you need to get get your world back in order. I don't think you need to be fighting with DJs. I don't think you need to be pulling down girls' tops at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I think you're a young guy who has not yet come into understanding what it means to be a Dallas Cowboys running back. I think you need to look at a guy like Emmett Smith, who you hope to be one day. Think about the way he carried himself in the public eye. I think you need to contemplate what it means to be public as a Cowboy running back. And as a result, I'm going to suspend you for the first game of the season. Wouldn't have any problem at all with that. I think that would be a reasonable move by Jerry Jones and an individual team to try to send a message to Ezekiel Elliott. I think that makes sense. This? Ludicrous. Robert in San Bernardino. What's up, Robert? Clay, what up, big dog? So uh, to, be, to better support your argument, uh, I'll kick the coverage on a daily destroys and murders Mike and Mike. So by definition, that would make you guys stone-cold serial killers. However, <laughs> you also provide thought-provoking, intelligent insight. You lead into Dan Patrick, and you fully support Colin Cowherd. You guys give the Salvation Army a run for their money on doing good for this country. So you can't just put everything in one basket. you got to look at both sides of the token. Love you guys. I'm gone. Appreciate that, Robert. Insert San Bernardino. Let's go to Christian in D.C. Christian, what's up? Yo, Clay. This is bad for the NFL. 
This is bad. So, you know, with all the new stuff that's come out with this girl uh, and the text messages that have been revealed, I'm interested to see how the NFL is going to respond. And, you know, are they going to apologize to Ezekiel with a six-game suspension? And just interested to see what they do. Yeah, Yeah. you know, what's tough for the NFL is they knew all this. It's in their own investigative report. They're blaming Ezekiel Elliott for victim shaming, and all he's doing is sharing the details in their own report. It's so baffling to me how anybody, the the only rationale here is that Roger Goodell said, nobody's ever going to accuse us of being soft on domestic violence again. It doesn't even matter whether our players are guilty of it. If they are accused, we're going to suspend them. That's the exact opposite of what the American justice system was designed for. It's shameful. The NFL is a disgrace here. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios been unpacking this Ezekiel Elliott case in light of the revelations from Yahoo Sports inside of the 160-page document. We will actually, investigative document by the NFL, that is. We will actually talk to Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports at the bottom of this hour. In hour three, we'll talk with John Morosi about the Dodgers and what a role they are on. They are now, I believe I'm correct in this, 110-8 and eight on the season. They are 102 games over 500. Unbelievable. That's obviously hyperbole. Somebody's going to tweet me and be like, oh, the Dodgers aren't really, actually the Dodgers aren't 102-8, and eight, Clay. Whatever the hell they are. They've won a lot of games. Uh, we're taking calls. We are reacting to what I think is the NFL not caring about truth or justice, only caring about perception. And some of you out there uh, are reacting. You can obviously react. Uh, find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. You can always go download the podcast if you're just waking up and you're like, man, I want to hear what Clay had to say about this, uh, about this case. 877-996-6369, the podcast rolling up big numbers as we come in closer to football season. You can go to iTunes, search out OutKick. We've got two different podcasts. You have the podcast of the show this morning, which obviously airs from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, nationwide, 250 stations, Sirius XM Channel 83. Uh, but a lot of you may not be able to listen to that whole thing, or maybe you're at work and you want to be entertained or you're working out in the gym, wherever. Go download the podcast uh, at uh, by searching out OutKick. I'd encourage you guys to do that. Then we also have an afternoon show. No FCC restrictions, me reacting to everything, including, by the way, yesterday's Game of Thrones uh, secret release online. Uh, If you're a Game of Thrones fan, episode six leaked, and so I talked about that a lot. I watched it yesterday, and it's phenomenal. Maybe the best episode of Game of Thrones that's ever existed. Jason Martin, did you watch it yet? No, uh, and I thought about it, and I think I'm going to wait until Sunday, as hard as it's going to be, just because... I don't know. I have a little bit more of a tie-in with my relationship with HBO, with what I'm doing. So I just, I'm going to play it safe on this one in particular. But I also have to pretty much avoid all social media as much as possible. Like I have to basically stick to my own page when I'm posting stuff and avoid because I haven't seen anything yet. But I know it's all over the place, so I'm having to be awfully cautious. I really badly want to see it, but I can wait until Sunday and watch. Danny it G, HD. Justin, did you guys watch it? Yeah, I did. Do you have the same moral trepidation that Jason Martin does there? Um, no, especially since I feel like HBO probably leaked it intentionally. But uh, I'm usually against watching things ahead of time. But it was it was leaked so far in advance that I thought it was just it's too risky to to navigate the 
the social media landmines of spoilers. So I just I had to get it out of the way to make sure that didn't happen to me. Yeah, you know, I try to read my mentions, and I kind of made a similar decision because I know somebody's going to come in and talk about what happened in Game of Thrones in my mentions, and I would rather see it myself. Now, I'll still watch it again on Sunday, and it's a phenomenal episode, but to me, HBO leaked it, and uh, if you don't know the story, HBO Spain put it out, and that makes it, to me, pretty easy to decide whether or not to watch it. Once they accidentally put it out, then it's out there publicly. It's a news story, especially given how much attention there is, and so I didn't feel bad at all about watching it. What about you, Danny G? Did you watch it? I didn't, and I log on to Twitter when I wake up yesterday afternoon, right? First thing I see is a spoiler. Yep. I was so irritated, but I, I'm i going to wait because it's kind of a, you know, and, and I'm not alone in this. It's a, not a tradition, but a routine that I have with my girl. That's how we end the weekend is we watch that show together. So, you know, I didn't want to be a jerk and watch it by myself. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of guys and girls probably out there are going to lie and say they didn't watch it because they don't want to, you know, spoil things for their significant other. Uh, I went ahead and told my wife, I was like, look, I, it's out there. If you want it, here's the link. You can go watch it. Uh, but uh, we're going to watch it again on Sunday regardless. And uh, I won't miss it. But I write about it. So it actually makes it a lot easier for me because instead of watching the episode, then going and doing my live immediate reaction show. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, we do a live immediate reaction show. You can find it by just ser- searching me out on Twitter at Clay Travis or even searching me out on Facebook, Clay Travis. You can watch it through either of those mediums. And then I write about it too. So I'm up late on Sunday night before we turn around and get up early on Monday morning to do the show. So this makes it a lot easier for me. I can watch the show, do my reaction video, then click publish on my, uh, on my review of the episode and, uh, and we'll be off and running, and it's, it's really easy to, uh, to set up. So I think that makes a big difference. Uh, in more significant news here in the world of sports, Ezekiel Elliott screwed. We're taking your calls on the reaction of the NFL uh, to uh, the, the details of this report coming out, uh, to the allegations of victim shaming and victim blaming that have gone back and forth between the NFL official league office and the NFLPA. And I believe we have a bunch of calls. Who should we go to, Jason Martin? Let's go to Juan in Pennsylvania. Juan in Pennsylvania. What's up, Juan? Hi, Clay. Yeah, I just had a question for you. I know that there's been the conflicting uh, reports about what happened. Do you think what she's doing is actually working in her favor now because she just made him look bad if that was her intention? Yes, yeah, she won. there be repercussions for her? I mean, there's a lot of things that happen to a lot of athletes, and nothing, nobody ever hears of what happened to the accusers that were falsely accusing athletes. Do you think she should get a backlash even though she's not going to get any? It's a great question. It's a great question. We have totally unequal bargaining positions here. This girl has almost nothing to lose. Ezekiel Elliott has millions to lose. And she knew that if you read some of her text messages and you read some of these allegations, she knew that Ezekiel Elliott had more to lose. Now, I want to reiterate this. It's possible that Ezekiel Elliott beat her up and that she then tried to blackmail him and make millions of dollars. In other words, it's possible that both of these individuals are not great human beings, right? I mean, that's that's what you often find when you're involved in criminal uh, criminal cases. It's very rare that you have a clean, pristine individual charged with a crime who is determined to have done nothing wrong. And then on the other side, we have an evil person, right? And this is what I've been talking about in general. I think our society... It's fascinating to me because in like the pop culture that we consume, nuance is everything, right? 
We root for all these anti-heroes, whether it's Tony Soprano, whether it's the Game of Thrones characters. We crave complexity in the television that we embrace. Breaking Bad, Walter White, The Wire. In the best television conveys the complexity of life, and they are very rarely good or bad characters, right? There are people who are somewhere in between, and that's why we connect to them because we understand in our own lives that every day, every single person out there listening to me in all 50 states, all 250-plus radio stations, every single day, you guys make decisions that are both good and bad, and that's because you're human, and we understand that. But in social media, we have created this artificial dichotomy between good and evil. And it works for the Ezekiel Elliott case. It works for our politics. It works for this new controversy about Charlottesville, about Baton Rouge, Dallas, like Black Lives Matter. Are they good or evil? Uh, the, uh, the guys who protest the, uh, the coming down of the uh, Confederate statue, some of them are Nazis. Some of them are not. Are they good or evil? The reality is nobody's all good and nobody's all evil, right? Yet in our society today, we insist on a bipolar nature of defining people as good or evil. And so that happens in larger issues too. It's like, I think the reason why the NFL is suspending Ezekiel Elliott here is because they're afraid of being labeled too easy on domestic violence as if they are somehow okay with domestic violence. You can think the NFL made a bad decision here, which I do, and also not believe that the NFL is necessarily wrong in the way they responded on Ray Rice. I'm, I'm not – see, what people get upset about a lot of times when they listen to this show is most of media right now, they come in and they tell you, this is awful, this is good. This is good, this is evil. Because being strongly on one side or the other allows you to grab a big audience because people gravitate towards the idea that something is either 100% right or 100% wrong. If you listen to this show regularly, what you will find is that I very rarely say things like that. I oftentimes dive into the nitty-gritty of details and nuance because I think that's where most stories live. And that's why I'm so big on what are the facts here. That's why I read as much as I could about this Ezekiel Elliott case because I'm not going to be the guy who comes into the show and says, well, you got to suspend Ezekiel Elliott because domestic violence is wrong. Well, wait a minute. Everybody out there knows that domestic violence is wrong. I don't think there are very many guys out there who are like, you know what we need more of? Guys beating up women. I believe that most people know it's wrong. Because you know something is wrong does not mean that an individual did it, right? And that's where a lot of people can't make that next step. They're like, oh, uh, you know, that's why I, I have an issue with a lot of these protests. Like Michael Bennett's talking about how we need more people protesting, like, against racism. I'm like, wait a minute, Michael Bennett. Do you really think very many NFL players are like, you know what, I love racism? No. So in this situation, what is so fascinating to me is there's no evidence that proves that Ezekiel Elliott committed domestic violence. Certainly not evidence that would suggest he should be charged with a crime. The NFL itself in its own investigation found that this woman is not entirely reliable. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that she's lying. Most people, if you investigate them aggressively, are not always going to be perfect witnesses. Just about everybody out there listening to me today will tell a lie today. 
just about everybody, probably all of you, all of us, will say something that is untrue today, even if you're trying to be honest all day. That's because we're human and humans are flawed. When you work in the criminal justice system, you see people at their absolute worst. Imagine the worst thing you've ever done. Now imagine that you got charged for a crime with it and everybody knew. That's what the criminal justice system is. It's humiliating to the people who are involved with it. You have to recognize our common humanity when you are a criminal defense attorney. Good people can do bad things. Bad people can do good things. That's what life is. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is always look at the facts, listen to this show, share this show, say, hey, we're going to try to be smarter about stories like these, and don't just assume that because domestic violence is an issue that that means Ezekiel Elliott is guilty and he's got to miss games. And don't just assume because some women are afraid to go public with domestic violence or sexual assault that that means every woman is telling the truth every time she alleges domestic violence or sexual assault. That's just as bad of a bias as the bias that used to be in favor of men in cases like these. We oftentimes in society don't swing from bias to unbiased, right? I said this after the OJ case. After OJ got parole, I said, you know why the reason why OJ Simpson got off? Because guys like Emmett Till got killed unjustifiably. OJ Simpson was the beneficiary of the murder of guys like Emmett Till back in the 1950s and 60s in this country. That's why O.J. Simpson got off. Because our criminal justice system doesn't swing from biased to fair. It swings from oftentimes biased on one side to biased all the way on the other side. And I think that's where we are right now in cases of sexual assault and domestic violence in public. If you're accused of them, you're basically guilty in the eyes of the public. Why? Because people think that domestic violence and sexual assault are underreported and undercovered crimes. So we're going to swing entirely on the other side and say women almost never lie about these cases. Well, that's not true. Some women lie about domestic violence and sexual assault. That's why you have to go to the individual circumstances of every case. Think about that on the O.J. Simpson case. O.J. Simpson has clearly committed double murder. He's not guilty. Why was he not guilty? Because of a legacy of discrimination and racism that exists in the criminal justice system that persuaded that jury to believe that he was not guilty. Where does that legacy come from? Cases like Emmett Till, where you got a young black kid who goes down to Mississippi, does nothing wrong, and ends up dead. O.J. Simpson cashed in, even though he was guilty, on the legacy of Emmett Till. We don't swing from one side of complete evidence, complete, uh, complete justice to the other side of complete justice. We don't go from bias to justice. We swing back and forth. The pendulum isn't even. It's broken oftentimes. And that's because the general public doesn't look at the individual facts of a case. They look at larger societal trends. That's why I always say, Don't worry about larger societal trends. Look at the specific facts of the case. If you didn't know anything about O.J. Simpson's race, everybody who looked at that case would have said, damn, O.J. did it. Right? That's what I try to do. I try to strip away all pre-existing conditions that I might have, all biases, and look at the specific facts of the case and say, 
what's the story here? And that makes some people uncomfortable because a lot of people can't do that. They want to bring their bias. They want to say, well, Clay Travis, why, why are you going after Colin Kaepernick for protesting? And I say, well, all right, let's look at what he's protesting. Is he making things different? Is he making things better? My answer is no. Some people out there are like, you're a white guy. You can't tell a black guy not to protest. Well, I can look at the facts of what's going on and say that his protest is crap. And you've heard this show for a while. We'll open up the phone lines. People are like, you're racist for saying that. Really? Really? Or am I just looking at the facts and those facts make you uncomfortable and therefore your feelings get all worked up and you're using your feelings to argue that I'm racist or sexist or homophobic, transphobic, or whatever it is. That's what's going on in this case. Roger Goodell suspended Ezekiel Elliott for six games, not because of what Ezekiel Elliott did, but because of the larger societal trend here. He knew if he suspended Ezekiel Elliott for six games, even if Ezekiel Elliott didn't do it, that people would say, look at Roger Goodell. He thinks domestic violence is bad. Good for Roger Goodell which is the exact opposite of what they said when he only suspended Ray Rice for two games. Only way Roger Goodell loses his job is if these interest groups start to call for his job and the NFL owners say, you got to go, Rog. We're not taking flack for you anymore. So Roger Goodell, what does he do? He comes out and he suspends a guy for six games, even though Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, has not been proven to do anything wrong at all. And again, It's possible that Ezekiel Elliott beat this girl up and she lied about him and she tried to extort him and she tried to blackmail him. All those things could still be true. We don't know for sure. Life is messy. People are not frequently heroes all the time and they're not frequently the devil all the time either. We all, every single one of us, dwell in in the shade of gray between good and evil every single day. And most people can't comprehend that, and most people don't want to acknowledge it. If you work in the field of law at any point in your life, you recognize that. Facts are messy. The NFL blew it. The NFL should have never been in this business to begin with. But the NFL blew it when they gave Ezekiel Elliott a six-game suspension. I think they gave him a six-game suspension, not because of what he did, but because Roger Goodell wanted to say, see, see, I told you I knew that domestic violence was bad, That's why I suspended Ezekiel Elliott for six games. Ezekiel Elliott was the head on the platter that that Roger Goodell could take to the National Organization of Women the next time they are upset about something going on with the NFL. Roger Goodell can say, see, hey, I know domestic violence is bad. Look at what I did to Ezekiel Elliott. The authorities wouldn't even charge him with a crime, but I suspended him for six games. I cost him millions of dollars. Don't tell me that I don't care about women. Don't tell me that I don't know domestic violence is a big problem. Look at what I did to Ezekiel Elliott. He is a symbol. The problem with that is this. In individual cases, you can't use defendants or the accused as a symbol of larger societal trends. Can't do it. That's when we get in trouble. Look at Duke Lacrosse. So many people wanted rich white guys to rape a black stripper that they didn't even look at the facts of the case. They just automatically assumed that these guys were guilty. When you use individuals to stand in for larger societal issues, you create bias, and oftentimes that leads to a result that isn't reflective of what really happened. That's what just happened to Ezekiel Elliott here. He's a stand-in 
a prop that allows the NFL to go out and say, see, domestic violence is bad. Look at what we did to Ezekiel Elliott. Your calls, 877-996-6369. Dan Wetzel at the bottom of the hour from Yahoo Sports. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Talking this Ezekiel Elliott suspension, why I think it's a broken system by the NFL, why I think they got it wrong. Let's go to Daniel in Santa Monica. What's up, Daniel? Hey, um, I just had a, a little bit of a disagreement with you on the, on the fact that this is a business and a multi-billion-dollar business, the NFL. And if uh, and if uh, Roger Goodell has to rub elbows with the sponsors that are CEOs of companies, um, that uh, that are then you don't make think then about, you don't think he needs to make decisions about whether or not people actually did crimes. No, You'd be fine uh, with just throwing guys on the scrap heap if they didn't do anything wrong. If it helps Roger Goodell rub elbows with CEOs better. <laughs> No, I think that um, that uh, that holding um, that holding Ezekiel Elliott out as an example, saying that we this is the standard that we want our players to uh, buy, uh, to you know to, to present themselves as from this point forward, and uh, just and, and se- setting the record for all the other players so that they're aware that hey, when you make a decision about even even your choice of a, a partner or uh, in life that um, that choice is going to have consequences Why for Why should job. the NFL be that, in the business of suspending of employees? Uh, I'm sorry? Why should the NFL be in the business of suspending employees? Um, it, to, uh, uh, to, hold them, to hold themselves, to hold their players so to you a think, standard. You think that, Walmart, so you think Walmart should investigate like its average employee off entirely their private life to see whether or not they're committing crimes, and if they are, they should they should apples, fire them or suspend apples them. Apples and oranges. Why is it apples and oranges? When you hire a CEO, when you hire a CEO um, and uh, you know it's uh, it's 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 kind of like a package deal when uh, when uh, you have to have like your wife um, along on a corporate dinners or a corporate whatever that um, that that person is actually presentable. So it's not like a, it's an apple and oranges comparison because of no, the it's amount not. of money it's that's two involved. Employees. It's two employees. Bad, bad call. Appreciate the opinion. Not a very good call. Look, you are an employee. Ezekiel Elliott's an employee. As an em- employee, he can be fired for pretty much any reason as long as his contract allows it. What I am arguing is, think about, people say, oh, well, he's a prominent employee. Okay. Do movie studios investigate the private lives of their movie stars and not allow them to appear in movies based on things that they have done that have nothing to do with the movie itself? Do publishing houses investigate authors and not allow authors to write books for the publishing house because of things that go on entirely in their private lives that are not criminal? Do recording studios, music companies, do they go out and not release artist music because of entirely non-criminal acts based on the investigations that they've done? Chris Brown's done some effed up things, right? His music still comes out. Robert Downey Jr. had some really interesting decisions that he made back in the day. He's still Iron Man. Tom Cruise got some wacky stuff going on in his private life. He's still in the next Mission Impossible. Johnny Depp, man. Johnny Depp is in some weird moves, man. Johnny Depp does some wacky stuff. I ain't seen him get pulled from Captain Jack Sparrow yet. Think about it. Uh, James in L.A. What's up, James? 
How are you doing? Excellent. Um, so I agree with you that I don't really – my personal opinion on employers, whether they should be able to fire you for what you do in your personal on your off time, is, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I'm a detective here in Los Angeles, and I just want to make a comment on people who say, hey, because charges weren't filed against him, how can the NFL do that? And I deal with victims a lot where – They'll make allegations. There'll be evidence to support the allegations. There may be witnesses to support the allegations. And at times, suspects will even admit to those allegations. But the victims will say, I don't want him arrested. I don't want to go to court. I don't want to deal with this process. And it's common, not always, where the district attorney will say, because we have an uncooperative victim, we are not going to file charges. Right, but she cooperated here. What's that? She cooperated here. She cooperated with authorities, the police, and also with the NFL. Right, but cooperating as in I'll talk to you and and I'll go through with this is one thing, but saying, but I don't want him arrested is where district attorneys will say, when this goes to court, if she's not going to show up. Right, but what I'm saying is she didn't say say that here. She She wanted him investigated. She wanted him arrested. She wanted him charged. They chose not to do it. Appreciate the call. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's why this case, like, the, the she cooperated throughout with the Columbus Police Department. I think she wanted Ezekiel Elliott charged with a crime here. They chose not to do it. And then she also cooperated with the NFL, and they chose to suspend him for six games. Now, there is a difference in standard, right? In order to be guilty in a criminal sense, you have to be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a very high standard. In the NFL's investigation, you only have to be guilty. They have to decide... basically, a preponderance of the evidence standard. So there's a different standard of what guilt is, but it's still, to me, a fundamentally broken process. we got Dan Wetzel coming up next right now, but first let's find out what's trending. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Bring in Dan Wetzel now, Yahoo Sports national columnist at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. Dan, what do you think about the Ezekiel Elliott case? Oh, boy. Maybe yeah, easy start right for on. you. Um,. Is it something the NFL, in your mind, should ever have been in the business of? So that's been my argument for a decade now. I know we've talked about this a little bit. My position is just, if the NFL wants to suspend guys for criminal-related incidents, they can allow the criminal justice system to make their determinations, then come in after they've done those investigations and make their own uh, decisions. I don't think they need to be in the business of conducting 160-page criminal investigations into complex issues and then levying their own judgment. That's what I've been saying so far on the show. Would you agree with that, or do you think the NFL is in the right here when they decide to conduct these investigations? So I'm torn on this. I'd like to have as firm of an opinion as you, you, um, but I don't. I am in agreement. You know, you and I are on the very same page when it comes to, like, Title IX investigations. They're broken. Sexual assault and college campuses. But that's because they're – Part of that is because the system of the investigation is so absolutely ridiculous that it's like they're applying the standard of how do we prove you had a case of beer in your refrigerator in the freshman dorm to something as complex as uh, as sexual assault. When it comes to the NFL, 
they have far more resources and things like that, they could have a better standard. I think the standard of proof should be extremely high considering you still don't have a criminal uh, – you're still not going the criminal justice system. But I do understand why they do this, and I'm, I do – you can't – on something like this, you can't necessarily always rely on the local justice system. And one of the reasons would be – you know that there's different reasons why charges are brought uh, in different in different places. There's different uh, concepts and different philosophies of, of prosecutors' offices around the country. Uh, college towns might be favorable to a, a college athlete or a former college star. Different things like that. As a brand, um, I get why they don't want these stories out there, and they're playing people who have been beating. Uh, beating their girlfriends or their wives or something like that. Uh, the public is is outraged at it. It hurts their it hurts their their business. Um, it, you know, I I I I know that if if something was alleged against me working for a major corporation, uh, I would add, they would absolutely investigate me to see whether and and it was making making the news and stuff like that. They can investigate me and do it. This is how major corporations do. A lot of major corporations do this. So I don't really like it. I do not. I have very little faith in how the NFL has operated before based on the past cases that I have covered, whether it's something as serious as uh, sexual assault or it's as ridiculous as the flake gate. I don't. The the NFL breeds very little trust in me, but I do understand why they do it. And I think it's sort of like, it's a bad it's a bad solution in a spot where all the solutions are bad at that point. We're talking to Dan Wetzel. My suggestion is that there's no way Ezekiel Elliott gets six games if Ray Rice has never happened. You agree with yeah, that? Absolutely. But here's the thing with Ray Rice. Ray Rice, they did not pursue the case to extreme measures. They looked into it, uh, the, the case was put in a, in a like a, diver, a diversion program in Atlantic City, if you remember. Uh, his wife didn't really want to cooperate. You know, his girlfriend then became his wife. And so the NFL today, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We left it to somebody else. And look, the Atlantic City uh, or whatever the county is there uh, in, 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 in Atlantic City, you know, their, their prosecutors are like, look, these are a couple of tourists. Let's just try to push this away, move on. Uh, they're not that interested in necessarily pursuing the case all the way. Then the video came out. And what was the criticism against the NFL? How did you not see this video? How could you not suspend this guy when he's, there's video of him? And once that thing hit, there was a visceral reaction against the NFL and against Ray Rice, never played again. And that's what we're dealing with here. So the NFL tried to kind of go with the, hey, you know, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. She's okay with it. Everyone's happy with the case. The pro- local prosecutor did his thing. We'll just not suspend them or whatever they gave them. And then when that thing hit, and that's what they're in, that's what they're reacting to. If, if all of a sudden there is video somehow uh, of 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 you know Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know doing something at the level that Ray Rice did, all of a sudden it's going to hit hit everywhere on TV and the internet. People are going to be angry. So this is a complete reaction to Elliott, and that's what he's dealing with. 
Actual football news. Are you at all curious to watch Jay Cutler tonight against the Ravens, even though it's the preseason, to see how he looks? Uh, no, I absolutely am. I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm anti. It's preseason guy. Okay, everyone's like, well, you look. Hey, Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky looked really good. It's just the preseason, man. Deshaun Watson, look, it's just the preseason. Enough. We know it's the preseason. I'm not going to put him in Canton. They're playing football. I want to watch. I want to see what Jay Cutler can do. Is he is freeing him from from Chicago? Uh, does it help him out? Does the weapons of Miami help him out? Or is he completely out of shape? And this is ridiculous. They even tried to do this. Um, guy was going to be a guy was going to be calling the games. You know, ten days ago. Now all of a sudden he's in the game. You know how what kind of shapes he in. So, I'll if they I don't love the preseason, but if they're going to play it, I'm going to watch it and make evaluations off it. And I'm aware it's just the preseason, so I will be uh, I will be into the Cutler game. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist. Dan, you've written I'm sure a ton about Kaepernick over the last year. Now you've yeah. got an expansion with Marshawn Lynch, Michael Bennett. You write for the front page oftentimes of Yahoo.com. Is the obsession with protests during the national anthem still there? Do you see it declining? How do you presume that you guys are going to cover this this season as opposed to maybe last season? What's what's kind of the, the editorial process? But also, is this a story that you see with people having less interest, or is it a story that will never die? I think the story will die at some point. Um, but right now, there's still really good interest in it. Um, not as much, maybe, as when it first hit uh there's still tons of interest in Kaepernick obviously uh Bennett's a very interesting guy in this and uh, Bennett is a son of a of a of a Navy man um he spent much of his career doing uh you know uh, charity work for military foundations very pro-military there's actually like a couple years ago this whole story about him like you know, working with the media, uh, the military at one of their games, like just a very pro-military guy. And he's sitting because of Charlottesville. And um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing. And, and I think, I think there's a, you could, it's a lot easier to have. I think a lot of people can kind of view his thing. I think I, I'll tell you this. I think, and I wrote this, I think Charlottesville and Trump are changing the dynamic of athletes uh, and I know this is new, so I'm picking a trend, but the idea of athletes sticking to sports, which a lot of people want them to do, I disagree with that concept because, like, Donald Trump didn't stick to real estate and reality TV. He, he talked politics and he became the president, right? Like, I, nobody should have to stick to it. The only thing you're allowed to talk about is whatever you do is the living. So I don't mind when the guys do it, when they talk out. Maybe the protests are one thing, but when they're speaking out, but more athletes, I think, are going to be speaking out. You, you already saw it uh, this week. I mean, there's stories all over every NFL locker room. Everyone's talking about Charlottesville and Donald Trump because the t- topic, Trump is no longer speaking out against Trump. There's no backlash. There's, there's, I don't think anyone's got any fear of doing it anymore. Campbell's Soup spoke out about Donald Trump. And when you lose Campbell's Soup, uh, it's something. And Charlottesville is, a, is not – hey, this is a, a complex topic or this is a, a health care debate. This is like there were white supremacists 
and it, you know it's very visceral and 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 emotional and so i think one of the unlikely and unexpected legacies of donald trump maybe these athletes aren't afraid to talk out at all anymore i mean lebron james called him the so-called president and has been bashing him on social media like in an extremely aggressive way that you never would have seen. Well, I do respect the office. No, he's going after him. Steph Curry, you know, I didn't think it was a really a well thought out position at the time, but he, you know, he, he was upset with Under Armour for being on that manufacturer's council because Trump's politics are too much to try to influence policy. Seven months later, Under Armour ends up agreeing with him. I think these guys are very uh, empowered right now and emboldened, and the idea of athletes speaking out, whether it's through protest or just in comments or on social media, I think we're going to look at it going forward because of the Trump phenomenon, and he's, he's, not, he's a big target that nobody fears anymore. I think you're going to see more and more athletes uh, speaking their mind. Is that bad for like sports? Sports ratings, because a lot of people, and I think this is a great question, but a lot of people out there look to sports, and you know this, what we do, as a place to escape the serious things in life, right? The toy chest of life, it's a dessert after a meal, it's the place you kick up and you have a beer and you watch an athletic event. I'm sure you're sympathetic to that, you think about it when you write it. Is this bad for sports viewership to become as politicized as it's becoming? I, You know... Probably. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I get, I, I totally get that. And, and I'm not somebody who speaks a lot about politics. I almost never mention politics, like on social media and stuff. I, I try to just say, I get it because I've never had anybody tweet at me and say, Hey, not only who are you voting for, but Hey, will you tell me who you think I should vote for? <laughs> right. That's never happened. Let alone, hey, I was wondering your opinion on this complex piece of legislation or what's your thoughts today on the president. <laughs> right. Nobody ever does that. They go, hey, what do you think of Cutler tonight, right? Okay, that's fine. So that's just how I do it. But I, I, I am not opposed to anybody speaking. Like, I, I don't mind that people speak or protest or do whatever. I just also think you have to do that with the understanding that you're going to be judged on that. So as sure as, as, as any Kaepernick has the right to take a knee at the game, and speak his mind, somebody has the right to view that and say, I don't like that guy anymore. Or, I like that guy more than ever. That's how it works. So, whatever. But what I think, you're just going to have to deal with the reality. There was a long stretch in this country where athletes pretty much stuck to the sports. And I just think with Trump, what you're seeing right now, because he's an easy target, he, he stumbles into these things, and I, I, I'm not trying, I'm, you know, I don't really want to be political on it, but when you're dealing with things like, you know, Charlottesville, it, these, these athletes are saying, this is personal now, and I'm going to talk out, and when you're seeing everybody run from them, it's open season on it. That's why like, you would never have seen a, an athlete speak about the president the way LeBron James did the other night. You would never see an athlete like Steph Curry lecture the guy who's paying him the most money at Under Armour and say, don't even work with them and then get proven in agreement. Outstanding stuff. Dan Wetzel there at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. I'm Clay Travis. Final segment of the show. uh, Sorry, of the hour up next. We still got one more full hour. Don't leave. 
here on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. 15 minutes. You could save 15% or more on car insurance. Went a little bit long with Dan Wetzel. So as a result, we've got a full hour for you coming back up here on the flip side. Going to dive back into Ezekiel Elliott. We'll talk about the Dodgers on a run with John Morosi and get you some Animal Thunderdome all in the final hour. Up next here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Heat, the main cause of battery failure, so it's important to have a tough battery. Duralast batteries designed and tested to start in extreme temperatures up to 167 degrees. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Speaking of in the zone, I'd encourage you guys to go download the podcast. We spent a lot of time talking about Ezekiel Elliott, the controversy surrounding that case, um, and my belief that the NFL totally blew it in giving him a six-game suspension. But there are three games tonight as we begin NFL Week 2. Ravens, Dolphins, Bills, Eagles, Bucks, Jags. And I am fascinated to see, we were just talking with Dan Wetzel in the last hour about Jay Cutler making his debut for the Miami Dolphins. And also, we've got Blake Bortles with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who seems to be right on the ropes about whether or not he's going to be the starting quarterback for very much longer. So I would argue with you that tonight, there are a couple of games that are worth paying attention to. And I'm with Wetzel here. Wetzel says, like, there's somebody out there, and you know him, and maybe it's even you, who's like, it's just the preseason guy. Well, it's just the preseason. We spend so much time talking about football when there are no games going on at all that I'm not willing to just give in to it's just the preseason guy. Yes, the NFL should not have four preseason games. It's, it's a disaster. For people like me who are season ticket holders and have to pay for two extra games that nobody wants to go see, full price, all of those things, I agree with you completely. In my ideal world, I would make the NFL season 18 weeks long, two preseason games, and I would extend it and give a couple more bye weeks. I don't know why the NFL is so committed to the idea of only having one bye week. Add in a couple of bye weeks, let these guys recover, If you're going to play Thursday night football, ensure that before the Thursday night football game, everybody's on a bye week. I don't understand how the NFLPA couldn't be behind that. If you got an extra bye week, then you get a week, and then you play on a Thursday, then you get extra days to recover before the next week. It seems like that would make total sense to me. Having said that, I'm going to watch these games, and I'm actually really intrigued to see them. Uh, And I love this video. There are two videos that I've loved this week. Did you guys see the video of the guy throwing out the opening pitch for the Boston Red Sox last night who airmailed it over the plate? I don't and that's not good audio, right? We couldn't play it on the air and it wouldn't be that there wouldn't be that much to gain from that, right? You need to see this video if you haven't seen it of the Boston Red Sox pitch. Opening pitch, sales catcher's head. There is a guy with a camera, poor bastard, standing behind the plate taking a picture of the opening pitch and he takes it right in the balls. I mean, just gets hit right in the groin, the the opening pitch. I mean, the guy could not have thrown it any better. And he hit the guy who's taking it. Like, the guy who's taking the picture is obviously not watching exactly where the ball is going. So he's standing there with his camera in front of his face, and he takes the opening pitch right in the groin, right in the balls. And I don't know how he's going to recover from that because the ball was just uh, looping. I mean, it's an incredible video to watch. The other video that I saw that is fantastic is people are just done with Blake Bortles. 
the Blake Bortles era is officially over in Jacksonville. I really do believe that. And this errant throw, which was caught by, I believe, Bleacher Report, one of their reporters on the sideline, I think the throw was meant for Allen Rossum. Am I correct in that? The, Allen uh, Robinson. The, Allen Robinson. Allen, do I always call – like, haven't I mis, like identified Allen yes, Rossum like a ton over the years? Yes, Allen Robinson, the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver, is trying to receive this pass, and this is the audio as a Blake Bortles pass sails out of bounds and he can't catch it. You can't even hardly tell what he said because we have to bleep it all out. And by the way, can we get some new FCC restrictions where I can be like, hey, if you want to turn your radio down, turn it down. But here's a guy who's cursing because he can't catch a football. I mean, are we going to scandalize the nation if people heard an angry football player cursing? Like, I, I understand the FCC rules exist, but it ain't 1940 anymore. All right. I could just as easily have told you right before this clip, hey, if you got kids in the car, I'm going to play a 10-second clip of an athlete being upset. And by the way, he's going to curse. And so just turn the radio down if that's going to scandalize your sensitive ears. But here it is. Instead, we play that clip, and like the whole thing is just a bleep. Anyway, it sums up the Blake Bortles era perfectly. That should be like the slogan of the Blake Bortles era. The whole thing is just a bleep. And I don't know... If there's any quarterback in the NFL right now who is under more pressure than Blake Bortles as he enters his fourth season now as the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and last year was a disaster. He throws five interceptions in the first game, uh, in the first preseason practice, and he hasn't looked that good in general. And so tonight he is going to play against the Jacks uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and obviously there's a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, out there about what the Bucks are going to be capable of this year. A lot of new offensive weapons for Jameis Winston. I would say that the Bucks and the Titans are two sides of the same coin there. Both teams going in big on giving weapons to their quarterbacks in the belief that they can take the next step, make the playoffs, maybe even win a game, contend for the division title, certainly. Meanwhile, again, Jay Cutler back on the field. The Ravens, I'll say this, guys. The amount of non-coverage of Joe Flacco. What's going on with his injury? That thing has not gotten a lot of attention. And the Dolphins and the Ravens playing the game down in Miami, Jay Cutler back out on the field. We still don't know exactly what's going on with Joe Flacco. And then the other game, Bills, Eagles, Carson Wentz, year two. What is Carson Wentz going to be capable of? Can he take the next step where everybody says, oh man, this guy's going to be a really good quarterback? Or do teams have enough uh, footage on him that he kind of comes back down to earth. He had a really great start to the season. He looked the part, big, statuesque, in-the-pocket passer. Is he going to continue to evolve? I mean, three pretty interesting games, I think, that obviously we'll be talking about tomorrow. And what's the latest on Flacco, Danny G? The Ravens are saying that they're going to rest him for the entire preseason, but that he should be ready for week one. But do you buy that? Uh, Yeah, I could see him suiting up for week one. See, I just, anytime somebody says we're resting him for the entire preseason, but he should be ready for week one, I assume he's going to miss games. Because if he were really that healthy, then you would think you would get him out on the field at least somewhat during the preseason. And by the way, same question going on in Indianapolis right now, except degree, because I think everybody's acknowledging that Andrew Luck is not going to be ready for the start of the NFL season. How hurt is Andrew Luck? What's a reasonable expectation for him as we get closer and closer to the start of the season? I think all those questions are completely in play. 
Speaking of completely in play, we're about to talk to John Morosi. I'm going to bring in the L.A. crew. The Dodgers are on an unprecedented run and continue to dominate. They won another game in the ninth inning. I believe this is the 164th consecutive game that they've trailed going into the ninth inning that they've won. (laughs) Have you ever seen anything like this in what the Dodgers are doing in baseball right now? Clay, I have been a Dodgers fan since I was this high, and I'm not even coming up to my knee with my hand. My grandmother took me to Chavez Ravine with a sun umbrella in her older age, and I got to watch Dusty Baker and Pedro Guerrero as a tiny kid. So I've watched years and years of Dodger baseball. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. It's sick, an amazing season, like a storybook. But it makes all Dodger fans super nervous because, you know, is it going to continue like this into the postseason? And there's so many naysayers. Oh, you're just going to be like the the Mariners that year. They won 116 games and lost, you know, in the what's, playoffs. What's amazing about this is the Rockies are 67 and 53, and the Diamondbacks are 66 and 54, which are pretty good records, right? In baseball, they are 18 and a half and 19 and a half games back from the Dodgers, who are 85 and 34 right now. 51 games over 500. Ridiculous. I've never seen anything like and, that. And the Dodgers have had 10 walk-off wins. They've come from behind 38 times. You, it's, it, I'm a, We're at a loss for words here in L.A. The, the stadium was in a frenzy last night. It was extra packed because it was you Darvish's first you know, a home game for the Dodgers. And, and that crowd was just insane. So there's a, there's a big-time buzz here in L.A. And now imagine if the whole city could watch the team on TV. That's <laughs> that's really the sad part of all of this is that still 65% of the city cannot watch our team on television. Helps with ratings on 570, I bet, a little bit. Oh, though, big time. It? Yeah, it does wonders for our flagship station. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, but I do know that sucks because I've spent a lot of time out in L.A. and I know how frustrating that is for people to not be able to watch the Dodgers, especially when they're 85 and 34. We'll talk about that with John Morosi up next. He comes in every week to talk about baseball with us, what's going on with Aaron Judge, why is he struck out in so many different games in a row, what in the world is shaking in the world of baseball, up next with John Morosi here on Fox Sports Radio. But first, let me tell you all about my friends at – where do I need to tell you about? My friends at Indeed, imagine a lottery with five times more winners or a basketball game with five times more dunks. Well, there are five times more hires made through Indeed.com than any other job site, according to independent research. If you're in charge of a business, numbers like that matter. When you're hiring, it makes five times more sense to use Indeed. That's a fact. Indeed is easy to use. You can post a job in minutes. You can even set up automatic screener questions to help you zero in on qualified candidates. And once resumes start rolling in, you can review applicants, take notes, plan strategies, and schedule interviews, all from an easy-to-use online dashboard that values efficiency and simplicity above all else. Right now, Indeed is going to give users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job, which boosts your job in relevant search results. Basically, Indeed will help you find qualified candidates faster than anyone else and will put you at the top of the job listings. Claim your $50 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash offer. That's Indeed.com slash offer. Try the world's number one job site today. Indeed.com. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. John Morosi, he is obviously covering Major League Baseball everywhere. Dodgers now 85-34. and 34. 
is this unprecedented in your time covering a team, John Morosi? Clay, it is not supposed to be this easy, my friend. They are making it look very, very easy right now. Uh, the the uh, the difficulty and the brilliance with which they are winning games from a standpoint of the, the degree of difficulty, I should say, with, with the way they keep coming back late uh, on the rare instances when they are behind, uh, they truly seem to never be out of it. And, and they are on pace to come very close, very, very close, if not surpass the major league record of 116 victories in the regular season. So we are talking about uh, one of the truly elite regular season teams, Clay, that we have ever seen in our lifetimes or any other, for that matter, uh, right there with the 01 Mariners, who, of course, did not win the World Series, and the 98 Yankees, who did. That's basically it. It's the 01 Mariners, the 98 Yankees, and the 2017 Dodgers with what they're doing right now, uh, historic better by the day, and uh, certainly from last night's game, the only concern, uh, the worry, is that you Darvish, he had a back issue last night. We'll see if that ends up becoming something of a long-term concern. But really, Clay, this team is it's just historic, and uh, I, I always say that every time I listen to this, to this team play, whether it's on, uh, the, on the Fox Sports Radio in L.A. or watching Joe Davis's call, uh, on Spectrum Sportsnet, it's, it, it ends with a, a victory because it, it just it seems like that is the only conclusion they have, and it, it is remarkable, something that we have not really seen in a very, very long time. Me doing math live on the radio is always a danger zone, but right now I believe the Dodgers are 85 and 34, right? That means that they have 42 games remaining, if I'm not mistaken, and they would need to go 32 and 10 to set the all-time record for most wins to break that Mariners record of 116. I think that's correct. You might not have done the math, but I think I did the math correctly there. Is yeah, that and, feasible? And again, they are. They basically, Clay, have to just keep doing what they've been doing, and they are going they're, to do it. I mean, you look at their their record uh, and, and the pace that they're on. Um, the next question will, will then come, is this a record worth yes. pursuing? And, and that, that, I think, is, is the next step. Because in my judgment, I do think it, it, it is worth going for to a point. You cannot diminish or hurt your ability to win the World Series here. That's, that's my concern. And, and certainly as you look at Clayton Kershaw and, and his, his issues uh, with, with his back, of course, he's, he had a simulated game yesterday. They hope he's going to have a chance to at least come back and start a couple times. But you are not going to push it with the likes of Kershaw or you Darvish or anybody else in their rotation who who certainly has had some health issues this season. You're you're not going to jeopardize their health. I think in the month of September, you you just really, if you're Dave Roberts, if you're the Dodgers, you keep running your guys out there every fifth day or or, or more likely in September, uh, back them off until it's every sixth day, and that way they're staying sharp and staying healthy. But you just do that. Your job is to win the World Series, and anything short of that, clearly for the Dodgers, when you've played this well, is a bit of a is a bit of a uh, uh, a failure for them. I think if they don't win the World Series, so I, I think you do the best you can with with keeping your rotation on turn, but do not, and under any circumstances, uh, push it. Don't don't uh, sort of alter your plan that has 
the, the rotation designed to be the healthiest version it can be uh, by the start of October because that, that has to be the, the foremost concern. But short of that, Clay, as long as your starters are, are getting the rest they need uh, and you're not, uh, you're not ex- overextending them in any way, I say go for it because, it, because that, keeps you, that keeps you sharp, that keeps you on your game. I make this point a lot of times, Clay, that since the wild card rules changed, and we got a second wild card starting in 2012, so you have the wild card game that then allows the, the top seed to rest those extra days. The, the top seed has lost in the division series just as many times as it has won. And it's because sitting for those four days is not always the best strategy, and they can't change it. That's part of the rules. But that is a difficult thing to ask a team to do, to sit down and wait while a team wins the wild card game, gets hot, and then comes to play you with nothing to lose. That's a dangerous dynamic in baseball because it's the one sport that you don't play better. I say this a lot of times, but it's true. You don't play baseball better by playing harder. Uh, and you also don't play baseball better by having more rest. So those are those are two things that really run counter to success in the month of October that the Dodgers certainly have to be aware of here as they get towards the stretch. A little bit of math cleanup there. I was pretty good math for me live on the spot here. I was only one game off. There are forty three games left, so they need to go thirty two and eleven, not thirty two and ten, to actually end up with the best major league baseball record of all time. Uh, we talked a lot about this guy in the first half of the season. He's still got thirty seven home runs. But Aaron Judge seems to be coming back down to earth. What's going on with him? Is this an example of maybe Major League Baseball pitchers figuring him out? Is this a situation where he's just starting to revert, you know, like what usually happens, right? Guys who get hot come back down eventually to what their level is. The water finds its level. Is that what's going on here? Well, a, a couple of things. I think uh, from a mechanical standpoint, and this, this point was made by Jessica Mendoza on Sunday Night Baseball as well on, on ESPN on Sunday, was that the, the pitches up in the zone have, have become a bit more problematic for him in the last several weeks. Uh, that, that maybe is one issue where he was crushing those pitches before the All-Star break, and, and now they've been a bit vexing to him. That's the mechanical answer. Um, I, I think that from a uh, thematic standpoint, if you will, uh, a mental standpoint, the break did not come at a good time, the All-Star break. I think he was so hot. Then he goes to Miami, wins the Derby, hears nothing but you're the new face of baseball from everybody, and then you have to take some time off and then try to settle back into your routine. That's a challenge. And I don't think it's any. it was any sort of failing on his part. I just think that he was probably due to have a bit of a regression and uh, once he had all that momentum, it probably was a natural time for it to happen But as the second half got underway after having all the positivity. That being said, he hit a ball last night at City Field that still hasn't landed yet uh, and, and may, may land in your studio in, in about five minutes. <laughs> it was hit that bad. So it was just hit. It was, it was absolutely scalded. So he, he still is going to get his home runs. He's going to get his strikeouts. But, he, but he's still hitting it for his power, which I think is a very good sign if you're the New York Yankees. So he's a guy, Clay, he's going to have some strikeout in his game. That's part of it. But uh, the power is still there. We are still talking about, I believe, Clay, the, the MVP front runner in the American League right now. Maybe Mike Trout, uh, if the Angels make the playoffs, uh, will we'll find a way to, to 
sort of return to the conversation. Uh, and also Chris Sale has a chance to win the, win the MVP. I think it's probably a three-person race at the moment, Judge, Trout, and Sale. Uh, great arguments to be made by all three. But uh, I think right now Aaron Judge, still it's still his award until someone proves otherwise. We're talking to John Morosi. Last question for you. The NL Central, four teams within five and a half of the lead, the, the, the Pirates, the Cardinals, uh, Milwaukee, and the Cubs, all right there in the mix. What's going to happen in that division? It's a great question, Clay. I, I, I look at it, and the Cubs are still the best team in the game until someone proves otherwise. However, the Cardinals have been very hot of late. And and their rotation, in some respects, is more stable than anyone else's. And their lineup has really found its way with the likes of Dexter Fowler. Uh, Tommy Pham has become an outstanding player for them over the last six weeks or so, two months. Uh, Paul DeYoung at shortstop. So the Cardinals, to me, with the way they're playing now, they lost a really tough game last night at Fenway that has a chance to really, I think, take them in the, take them in the wrong direction. But I think it's going to be the Cubs – and the Cardinals going down to the very, very last day of the season. Um, and at the moment, I will say the edge still goes to the Cubs, still goes to the defending World Series champions. But let's not forget, too, that the Milwaukee Brewers are very much a factor here as well. They have picked themselves up off the canvas after that really, uh, I think, uh, sort of a, a struggle they had there in the month of July after the All-Star break when they did not make a major move and the Cubs did. So the, the Brewers are doing a, a very valiant job of staying in this race. I believe they're still a factor, but I will give the slight edge to the Cubs in what is, as you point out, Clay, uh, very astutely, really the, the last remaining excellent division race that we've got right now in the game because of the way that the, the, uh, the Red Sox have started pulling away from the, from the Yankees in the American League East. Outstanding stuff as always. We'll talk to you next week. Clay, can't wait. We'll, uh, we'll have to break down the Wolverines' chances now that the Gators have those suspensions there in, round, in, the, in week one. We'll see. should be a great game there in Dallas that week. You're, you're in Ann Arbor, by the way. While you're there, that's actually a good question for you. What's the vibe on Michigan Wolverine fans this year? I feel like the Harbaugh enthusiasm the first two years was infectious. Now you're in year three, the team losing a lot of talent. What's the expectation? Well, Clay, uh, I'll tell you this, and again, my, my uh, in-depth analysis cannot in any way approach what, what you could offer on this subject, but I will say this. Uh, last year, in many respects, should have been the year, and, and I think that there are those here who believe uh, that, uh, certainly many, I'm sure, believe that, that Michigan was the rightful victor on that Saturday in Columbus, Ohio, in, in the month of November, um, and that when that did not go the Wolverines' way, that that was a bit of bad luck as much as it was any any failing on Harbaugh's point. But he did lose three games that really were, were very winnable and, and that, that any one of them really could have changed the narrative of the season, of course, beginning with Iowa and then uh, Florida State at the end, in addition to Ohio State. Uh, I think we all realize, everybody here realizes the, the number of losses they had on defense, and I think that has really tempered the, the, the enthusiasm from a standpoint of the expectations. Uh, there, are, there are many that, that believe, many prognosticators, and again, those that know the sport and know the conference better than I do, that, that Michigan may in fact be the fourth best Big Ten team right now after Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. So there's, uh, I think, a lot of even-handed analysis going on here because they realize – 
just how much NFL talent they lost on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. So, I, But I think the take-home message is, even if Michigan fans expect to be a top-15 team instead of a top-5 team or what they thought last year could have been a top-1 team, uh, it, it certainly is, is, a, is a marked improvement from where things were uh, 10 years ago, which is we're coming up now on the 10th anniversary of the lost Appalachian State. And I think it, it took basically eight years for them to get back and recover from that game. Uh, but, but they have now gotten back to the point, Clay, where they are looked upon certainly locally and I'm sure nationally as an annual uh, college football playoff contender. And, and they're back to being that, which is really, Clay, more so than winning the, winning the national championship. People in Ann Arbor forever have craved relevance, have craved being a national powerhouse again. And I think, for better or worse, uh, we can maybe quibble over the details here or there, but I think Michigan is back to being that. And, uh, and really, uh, for the years, for the Rich Rod years and the latter Brady Hoke years after, uh, the, after sort of the ray of hope in 2011, uh, that's what the fans here have wanted. And I think, by and large, that's what Jim Harbaugh has given them. Outstanding stuff, as always. John Morosi, we'll talk to you next week. But first, well, thanks so much. Look forward to it. Appreciate that. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We've talked about Ezekiel Elliott. We've talked about the protest. We've talked about a little bit of everything. The NFL game's going on tonight. John Morosi just broke down Michigan football in addition to everything going on with baseball and the Dodgers role better than just about anybody can who probably covers Michigan. But now it's time for what you all dream of at night. It's Animal Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bone constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. The Animal Thunderdome, Jason Martin and Danny G, I believe. Maybe Justin, you guys have multiple stories here. Let's hit them. You've seen the lion story, right, Justin? Coop, I know you sent the video to the me. Hip, the Other people lion? sent it to me as well. Yes. yes. You, why don't you actually recount this as you sent it to me here a little while ago? Well, I actually saw this uh, pop up on the, the front page of Yahoo, and I'm like, wow, what a coincidence. We were just talking about hippos. And uh, it's a video of, uh, I guess, you know, not only do you not want to mess with a hippo if you're human, but if you're the, 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 the king, uh, the king of the jungle, right, the, a lion attempts to... Uh, well, it, it, the, the title of the video says it was hunting the hippo, but from what you see in the video, the lion approaches the hippo, kind of smelling it, seeing like, okay, is this, I could, I could eat this maybe, and uh, the hippo was having none of it. The hippo gets up, and the lion sees how big the hippo is, and is like, okay, I'm just going to stroll away casually. Not, not, not what the hippo had in mind. Hippo just, just grabs the lion by the head and flings it like it's nothing, just totally and the lion bails out of there it knows it knows not to mess around with the hippo it's jaws engulfed the lion's head i feel like the hippo i mean we heard about this after it killed the woman in michigan the fact that the hippo kills three thousand people a year i mean we have a 9-11 of hippos every year 
and nobody has any clue. People just buy like these plush toys. They're like, oh, the hippo's so cute. Man, I watch this video and I'm like, I, 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 I thought before that I want to go on an African safari. I don't want to get anywhere near a hippo. Like, I, they're terrifying. All right, Jason Martin, what else you got? This is probably going to draw voicemails. There's a Japanese bar that's now getting attention from tourists because of new waiters. Makakwe monkeys. There's a video of <laughs> Monkey monkeys. waiters? Yes, bringing beverages and napkins to customers. And, Clay, I, I mentioned this for one in Japan? key reason. Yes, in a, in a Japanese What are you doing? Are you bar. eating? Like, what, what are you like? Is, are you, no, are I was the choking. I was, I was, no, right I was finishing now? a little bit. No, I had some water. I was choking there. I had a little bit of a cough. Um, two monkey waiters. Are you going to survive? I'm going to survive. I'll be all right. There's now several baby monkeys inside this place, but there are two monkey waiters. And the reason I mention this is because. Are the monkeys dressed up? Like it, as waiters, or are they just naked monkeys? Like well, normal monkeys? There's a video that I'm going to tweet out. They're, I don't know about naked monkeys. That's well, really you know what of, I mean. Like sometimes yes. they get monkeys in like tuxedos, which is even funnier than like a normal monkey. So I, I they like, hats. Are they, they're wearing hats? I believe they're wearing hats. And now they're taking, like I said, they're taking photos with guests. But they're, the reason they can be waiters, Clay, is because they have opposable thumbs. And because they Stop can hold with, things I'll, like beverages and napkins and food and bring it to people. You guys are acting like everybody hands. knows monkeys have thumbs. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize that monkeys have thumbs. I think you're wrong about that. I think that I thought that was the reason why we evolved differently than monkeys. I thought we had thumbs and they didn't have thumbs. 855-500-CLAY is the voicemail. 855-500-2529-247. Have your say against Clay, and apparently against me. Against me, I just had like a forty-five second voicemail against me with more expletives than have ever been seen in a voicemail to this point, and it was only like a thirty-second voicemail. It might be justified because you just almost choked to death trying to drink water. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you got to make plays here. You, this is the equivalent of like somebody being out with a hangnail. Um, the uh, anything else out there in the Animal Thunderdome? Well, last night on that Geo, I did not see this, but somebody actually pointed it out to me in a DM at Jmart Outkick. They said. There was a fight last night on the Nat Geo television network between a crocodile. We know how crocodiles can be a problem when we went through our animal death rankings earlier this week. And a hippo. I'm going to have to find this video and see exactly what happens. But crocodile versus hippo probably means I don't want to be anywhere in the zip code. And I'm glad it's just a video I have to watch. But hippos, it's all of a sudden like... You know, there's 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 things that Hippos kind of pop are rising up in the world. on the yeah, power that, ranking. It's like yeah, the it's hippo like went out. Yeah. <laughs> The it's the new it's the new hip thing. All of a sudden hippos are everywhere. Hippos are transgender, the new hip thing. Uh, that is an incredible analogy there. Um yes, the hippos are everywhere. I feel like they've been underrated for a while. They're like a football program on the ascent. Who are they? They like they were Hugh Freeze before the hookers. Did you see the news about Hugh Freeze? They now came out and officially acknowledged that Hugh Freeze have been calling hookers like crazy from his university issued cell phone. So hippos are Hugh Freeze pre hooker. How like old Mark just no, risen sorry, from God. nowhere. How, how would Mark in Ohio feel about Hugh Freeze, the two Christians, and what happened with the hookers? He'd probably say that we deserve to forgive him. I mean, I don't, I'll forgive I'm him. I'm a Christian. More interested how our boy Willie down in uh, New Orleans, yeah. what he would think about Hugh Freeze and the hookers. That'd be a hell of a call. Maybe give us a buzz. 877-996-6369. But first, got to tell you right now that this 
is incredible. I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a while, and I'd pick it over every mattress I ever had. It really does help me get the best night's sleep, period. Once you try Casper, you're going to love yours as much as I love mine. Switching to Casper, no-brainer. Higher-quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortable every night thanks to Casper's two high-tech foams. Much better than an old over the price, than that old overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how'd they do that, size box. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it and refund you everything from its breakthrough design and superior quality to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights. It's no wonder Casper was named one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative brands of 2017. And sleeping on a mattress, best way to try it. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to Casper.com, use the code OUTKICK, O-U-T-K-I-C-K, for $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. That's Casper.com, code OUTKICK, and get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news, quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Tomorrow's Friday, which means we'll have the I Hate You Clay Travis calls. 855-500-CLAY if you want to leave voicemails there. 855-500-CLAY. The NFL Week 2 of the preseason continues. Ravens, Dolphins, Bills, Eagles, Bucks, Jags tonight. We'll be talking about those games, obviously, tomorrow on Friday. But most importantly right now, you asked for him. You demanded him. You loved him yesterday. It's Walking Willie in New Orleans back with us. What's up, Willie? How's life? I'm doing all right. I, I listen to you on the radio, but the, uh, the radio is behind you. But you're on the phone. I'm right up with you. But I'm okay. What do you think, Willie? You heard us talking about animals. What animal do you think is the most dangerous? I don't trust the rats. I don't trust the, the mosquitoes. I don't go to Africa, although I'm colored. But, I mean, I'm not that new word with people I'm calling Afro-American, Negroes. But I just say I'm colored. My friends get mad with me for saying that. So I ask them, what does NAACP stand for? And they say some other stupid word. I say, if you don't want to be called colored, tell them to take that dog on a color out of NAACP. But that's another story. But animals... I don't like rats. And since we had that flood down here, Katrina, uh, I'd be looking for them all the time. How big are the rats in New Orleans? Oh, they're big rats. The rats, rats, rats. They're super rats. Katrina brought all them rats out them swamps up here. And then you got some people rats, too. You know, <laughs> the police. I don't, I'm not scared of the police because I'm not no troublemaker. But I say yes, sir, and no, sir, to everybody. And if they say something like, uh, what you got in your bag, I throw them the bag. But I got a couple of the pins in them. So when they say, oh, you got the pins in them, I say, well, I also got A, too. But I don't have A, but that's if I'm doing wrong. But I don't do wrong. I'm 77, but I like you, Clay, because you right on the dot. If he, you yeah, I think you're my favorite guy. caller, Willie. So, like, uh, are you going to watch these NFL games tonight? What do you think about Jay Cut? What do you think about Jay Cutler down in Miami? You believe in him or not? Hey, he smoked too much. He smoked too much. <laughs> he and does smoke too football, much. If I could play football and they talking about giving me ten million dollars a year, I'd be just like that guy boxer. Uh, 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 the boxer did the fight Mayweather. Yeah, Mayweather McGregor. <laughs> yeah, he really can't fight, but 
Mayweather is not going to fight for no $200 million winner-take-all. They, they don't do that. But Mayweather be flying all that money, talking about, hey, make it rain, make it rain. McGregor say, oh, Mayweather, that ain't never $100 bills. Willie, uh, I was I was going to talk about this story. You probably have an opinion. You know these millennials. They, they're all different than everybody else. You're 77. I'm 38. They're younger than we are. You know what they said the other day, Willie? They said that millennials don't like boobs. Now, you're down in New Orleans. Best thing about Mardi Gras, there's boobs everywhere. Black boobs, white boobs, Asian boobs, Hispanic boobs, boobs everywhere, right? Can you believe that these millennials, these young kids out there, they don't like boobs anymore? they want to do is smoke that stuff called weed. When you smoke that weed, they, they uh, believe anything because the people down here are showing their boobs for bees. Yep. And it's up on the balcony. But what the people don't understand, they green them doggone poles. And you know that, that weed makes you try to climb them poles. And you know you ain't going to get up there. But, you know, if you can't do nothing in New Orleans, I mean, you can't find no job in New Orleans. You can't find nothing. Because everybody down here know how to be a magician. But you know, all them on crack, you have to go out of town to uh, to make money. Say like in Nashville. I like Nashville because I like country and Western. I like the Dosey Dosey. I like Hank Williams. I don't care about Hank Williams business. Uh, coming back saying the national answer. But people do not understand the national answer. The guy who wrote it, Francis Scott Key, if you just listen to him, I think he was a coward. Because of when you say, oh, say, can you see? He behind some doggone rock just is reciting what he sees. He's not like those guys, the Patriots, carrying the flag. One guy got a band over his head. The other got a stick on his cropping and stuff. But as I say, I'm just here, and I like Nashville. I like them Vanderbilt, uh, the school, and with us, with Tennessee and I, when Wilmington Rudolph was playing, she had polio. But what happened to her? She messed around and got over it, done what she wanted to do, and everything is right away. But Nashville is a volunteer state. Amen. Amen, Willie. Hey, I got to head out. Willie, we got to have Willie on every day. Got to have Willie on every day. My favorite caller at Outkick, 77 New Orleans, a true American patriot. He's right. Francis Scott Key, kind of a pussy willow hiding behind a rock. He wasn't fighting in the battle. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now.